And I want to welcome uh, now uh, Ron DeVries, who is uh, sort of our denominational guru of youth ministry. And um, he is with us. He led a couple of workshops uh, with many of our, our congregants yesterday, and it was a great, uh, a great day. And uh, we welcome you as you bring God's word to us now, Ron. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, as you heard, uh, we spent a really good day together yesterday uh, looking at recent trends and different things that are happening within youth ministry and young adult ministry. Just so you know who I am and who I work for, I work for the denomination, um, the ministry called Thrive Ministries, which was a new word, uh, a new name that was ratified at Synod, formerly Congregational Ministries. My official title is Youth and Emerging Adult Consultant, meaning I get opportunities like we had yesterday to share, to learn together, and to wonder about God's work in youth ministry and young adult ministry within our denomination and outside our denomination. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to do that. Um, it's, it's wonderful to be here. It's such a wonderful space and place, and uh, the people I met yesterday just filled me with joy. Thank you for attending and being part of that. I am located in Alberta, Canada, and as uh, Pastor Peter mentioned, uh, we've been dealing with some fires, and it's been tough. Uh, Kelowna, uh, British Columbia, has been ravaged by the fire. We had some calls uh, from that church recognizing that some of the people have been displaced and lost their homes. So as you continue to go through your day, please pray for them and pray for all the communities that are affected by this, including Hawaii. Part of my work, obviously, is connected to youth and young adult ministry, but the other piece of my work is connected to an organization called Therefore Go Ministries. That's also a new name for some of us because it was formerly called Youth Unlimited. How many are you familiar with Youth Unlimited name? They had another name before that, and it was called the Young Calvinist Federation. How many are familiar with that name? Yeah, yeah big part of my work as an ambassador for that ministry is, is uh, to connect with churches, to help uh, with ministry assessments when it comes to youth ministry. That's part of our work there. Um, but also things like short-term missions experiences, like serve. This past summer, I had the opportunity to speak at Linden, Washington, serve. And that was amazing. We had a wonderful time together, and we were looking at and wondering about the many questions that Jesus asked in his time on earth. And one of them was, what do you want? It was incredibly impactful. We had about uh, 45 students there, and you could see God working. It was amazing. And so that's part of my work. The other part of my work is connected to uh, mentoring initiatives. Uh, we are right now in the middle of um, working through a, a ministry grant we received from Lilly Foundation and focused on Generation Spark. It's about helping churches become a disciple makers to, to help churches understand what it means for a younger person and an older person to communicate together, to share the gospel together, and to live life together. I'm just so grateful to be part of that initiative and grateful to be able to share that information with you all this morning. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Timothy, and just as a, as a prelude, as an introduction to that part of the text, 
Um, I want to share this with you. Our, our text takes place during a time when the Apostle Paul is not with Timothy, although he really wants to be, and Timothy being a younger pastor, Paul crafts this wonderful letter to his young mentee, and it's filled with um, encouragement, it's filled with warnings, but it's also filled with specific teachings directed to Timothy as he's called to minister in Ephesus. Now, there have been some biblical commentators that state that maybe there's some question about the authorship of these letters. We are going to assume for today that it is Paul, okay? Chapter 1, at the beginning at verse 3, Paul states this. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. You can hear in this text that there was a lot happening in Ephesus at that time. And there were some genuine concerns about that church plant there. And this text highlights that some of these concerns were based on untruths being spoken in the place of the truth of the gospel. So Timothy in that space... Paul sends this letter, and our text today highlights some crucial teachings for the church then, and I would say some crucial teachings for the church here today. Now, before I invite Emily uh, Doima to come up and read our scripture text this morning, let's pray to God uh, for him to illuminate his glory through this text today. Let's pray together. Creator, Father God, we come to you this morning in many states of being. Some of us are tired. Some of us are are distracted. Some of us have no idea what to expect. But God, we pray that your spirit will calm our anxieties. And that you inspire us with your words and your wisdom. May we be challenged and may we be stretched. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. And all God's people said together, amen. I'd like to invite Emily to come forward and read the text. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Timothy 4, verse 6 through 16. And this can be found on page 1848 in your pew Bibles. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters... You will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive. 
that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given, given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Emily. The relationship between um, Paul and Timothy, I I find, is just a really fascinating one. There is this lovely uh, pupil elderness to this relationship, but it seems to be more than that. It seems to be deep. There seems to be this, this fatherly posture that Paul models here, and as the letters continue, you really sense the fondness that they have for each other. And I'm also always reluctant to, to leave these letters written to Timothy without being reminded the fact that this young leader grew up in a house, or at least so we're told, where his grandmother and his mother poured into his faith formation in ways that Paul feels so inclined to share in the second letter to Timothy, specifically at verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, which he says this, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For what the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. In this text, we are reminded again of what Timothy was taught and how he was nurtured as a child in in faith formation is is just a really beautiful um, picture of what's embodied through his life as a pastor and as a leader, Paul names that. He names that and he highlights this as foundational for his ministry, the ministry that he was called to. And our faith stories, like some of the stories we heard in the workshop yesterday, like Timothy's and like Paul's, are, are a journey, right? It's this, this road trip that we're on. It's filled with bumps, it's filled with celebrations, and for many of us, it's filled with lots of questions and wonderings. And quite frankly, it takes a lot of patience, and it takes a lot of discipline. I poured over this uh, first uh, Timothy 4 text when I was first examined for my ordination many, many years ago. 
It was full of wise teaching then, and it was a helpful text for us to consider as we navigate the waters of this new ministry season, as we kind of wrap up summer and we get into the the new things that are ahead for us in the fall, but also as we wrestle with, and as Pastor Peter alluded to, the fact that this pandemic reality hasn't left us yet. I met with several colleagues um, a little while ago, and, and we, we together looked at this text again. But this time we looked at it as it was presented by Eugene Peterson's, Eugene Peterson's interpretation of it in the message. Now, I want you to hold your Bible open for the NIV that's in front of you, and I'm going to read the message version, and I want you to compare the two, because this is, this is part of the Bible study that we're going to be doing this morning. Here's how the message reads. You've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there, and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take this to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, the Savior of all men and women, especially believers. Get the word out. Teach these things. And don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Teach believers with your life, by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. Stay at your post reading scripture, giving counsel, teaching. And that special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid their hands on you and prayed, keep that dusted off and used. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. So as a group of colleagues, we we asked ourselves, when we wrestled with the two versions of the text, which words or phrases stood out to us in that version? And as I was looking at the screen, because we were meeting on Zoom at the time, there were a number of texts that were highlighted, but the one that jumped out to me specifically, the one that kind of stood out to me as I poured over this text once again, was the one that says this, And maybe this one's connecting for you too. I have no idea. But it did for me. Workouts in gymnasiums are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both for today and forever. You can count on this. And so the NIV version says it like this, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. So when I read the message version, I was drawn at first to the word gymnasium. It's an odd word to throw in there. It reminded me of all the times I signed up for a gym membership and then rarely, if ever, went. How many of you had done that? Yeah. 
My intentions were really good, right? I was really looking forward to going and, and doing all these things. I, I, I had a plan to go at least once a week, maybe twice. I'd eat healthier. I'd get ripped. I'd, I'd work out. Feeling good, looking good. It didn't happen. <laughs> I am now a little bit slouchy. I'm not in fantastic shape. And I have a confession to make. I love potato chips. And I sense a little smile that most of you do too. To live a disciplined life, friends, isn't easy. Paul knew that. And Paul gently reminded Timothy of this reality. Because, friends, it's easy to fall victim to laziness and apathy. When this happens, we can easily be drawn into places and conversations that do more to tear down than to build up. You know what I mean? Sometimes we aren't ready for or we aren't prepared for what comes our way when we're confronted with things that attack our bodies or what we believe. Are we prepared for this is the question we often ask ourselves. When, um, when I first took the call to ministry, there were two things that helped me navigate this question. As my wife, Monique, and I processed, Steve, processed the reality of this. First, we prayed for strength. We prayed for strength to be faithful to the call. We knew that this was a step I needed to take, but there were things that were required of me, right? There were things that were required of me to do. Each one of them required intentionality and required follow-through. Biblically, I could start to see more clearly what, what Abraham and Moses were trying to teach us with their lives and their stories where, where they would never see the end result of their calling. And yet they pressed on, friends, they pressed on because they knew that there was more at stake than their own agendas. They knew that. And of course, Jesus modeling his faithful call to his father is what we strive for. Timothy, we hear this in this letter to Timothy as well. Sacrificial and holding fast to the call placed on his life, never wavering, staying true to the course laid out for him. And then second, we knew we had to be obedient to follow wherever that may take us. We knew that. But moving from our comfort zones is never easy. It's never an easy transition, and it's, quite frankly, very difficult for us. We knew that there was a larger narrative at play. We, we knew that. And so we prayed often for the strength to carry on, to persevere. You see, for some of us, we're wired for adventure. We love that new experience. We want to go there and experience that new thing. And, and we're looking forward to those new things while many of us cringe at the thought of change. Please, no. <laughs> and yet every one of us goes through it. Every one of us goes through it at some time. Following Christ is never easy. Jesus says, take up my cross, take up your own cross, and follow me. 
And our response is often, but, but my cross is heavy. Jesus, it's, it's heavy. And my sins, they're just too many to count. And my burdens, I can't deal with them. Not today. Not today. To which Jesus says, if you let me, I can help you. I'll help you carry your cross. Your sins, well, they've been washed away. You've washed whiter than snow. And your burdens, Jesus says, I know about them. I know. Can we talk? Research over the last two decades has looked at youth and emerging adult ministries and churches. We talked about this yesterday, and and I, I know you've heard this term before, but there's a term called moralistic therapeutic deism that has emerged as the new civic religion existing in North America. We're talking Canada and the U.S. We're seeing it on both sides of the border. And research has taught us that this isn't simply a youth ministry issue, but that's something that has impacted the entire church body. And with it comes this ideal that Christ is not the only way to salvation and that God is not actively pursuing us. Friends, this cannot be further away from the truth. Much like in Timothy's time, controversial, anti-Christ-centric theories are plaguing our world. You don't have to go, go too far to find that. And they're drawing many away from the truth of the message, which simply put, as, as Paul states it, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we strive and labor. Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Friends, it takes work, and it takes discipline. The past three years have certainly disrupted our old rhythms and our old patterns of how we lived our lives. The church and the activities within her have certainly have to be adapted to a changing reality. And for many of us, that has felt extremely awkward and at times incredibly painful. I am pretty zoomed out, if you know what I mean. But perhaps, perhaps this time has taught us that we might need to shift what we had known as normal to what I'm calling a divine normal. Normal not based on conspiracy theory or outdated methodology, 
but one that goes back to the heart of the gospel message and that does not become outdated or changed with the times, but one that requires us to be made new in the truth of the resurrected Jesus Christ. The empty tomb is the truth that calls us to redemption and rebirth. It calls us to die to our selfish ways, and it calls us to be faithful to our call as parents, as leaders, as teachers, as friends, as pastors, whoever we are as God has created us to be. I'm reminded as as I heard the call to worship this morning that our identity is rooted in a 1 John 3 understanding that we are God's children. We are God's children placed in this world to shine His light and to shine it brightly, my friends. It calls us to be obedient to wherever God is leading us. Like we're on this road trip. And there are experiences that we look forward to and others we're learning to adjust to when the construction signs show up. And let's face it, every summer we're seeing those construction signs show up, right? And the question inevitably shows up from the back seat. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And then from the front seat we hear, not yet. And so we continue to play these little road trip games or we read or some of us sleep and get rested for the arrival. I remember when my children were traveling with us and they would be in the back seat and every once in a while you hear this, stay on your side. Don't cross this line. (laughs) That is my book. Don't touch my stuff. And as we settle things down a little bit in the back seat, you start to see a shift happen and one of them falls asleep and their head gently rests on the shoulder of the other. And you see a peace show up. A little glimpse of the kingdom, perhaps? Not yet. We're getting closer. So we trust the driver who knows the way and experience grace. Grace-filled moments of hope and peace. Peace in the journey. But all these, my friends, take, take discipline and patience. Our days can be filled with, with space where we can incorporate new rhythms So that we can realign with our creator who gave his son over to death so that we can know life. Sometimes we just need to pause and remember the words of um, incredible writer Dallas Willard who once when he was walking with somebody, mentoring a leader, shared these incredible words in order to be ready for what's next. We need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives so that these new rhythms can be shaped by our faithful and obedient Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for these letters, these words uh, from Paul to Timothy, um, words that inspire us to help us understand um, the call uh, that you've placed in our lives that, God, it isn't always easy, but through your leadership and through your guidance, we'll get there. And so, Lord, as we continue this, this road trip that we're on, this journey, and every one of us is on a different one, whether we're young, whether we're old, Lord, different things, different experiences, Lord, help us to remain true to the heart of the gospel message in our every days. At work, at school, in our retirement, wherever it may be, Lord, guide us and keep us straight to the path that you have in front of us. And Lord, help us to navigate through the construction signs when they show up. And Lord, help us to work together in community, a community of faith, a community of faith formation, not just in this building, not just in the programs, but in the everyday in which we exist. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, your son. Amen.